What's up, world? Uh, I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. They, 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 insert here. Yo. It's a terrible game. Bottom line. It's terrible in every way. Graphically, it's terrible. Gameplay is terrible. It's just terrible. Oh, angry Nick mad. That game sucked, and it's gonna suck no matter how many revisions they make, and it just sucked even more because they put a connect with it. Oh, angry Nick mad. Or if there's violence, I'll just laugh and enjoy the fun. Kaz Hazari. Hazari. Kaz Harai. 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 They just kind of got tired of Angry Nick on the first one and said, yeah, I'm gonna pass. Oh, yeah, so I do. It's me, precisely. No, no. no. I, I, per- I no. do all my work. No. No, yeah, I'm you guys are so I don't. Cute. Oh, thank you. I try. I mean, let's face it, Mario, and to a lesser extent, Zelda, is what carries Nintendo at this point. Always be radical. I love you, little podcast. You're the bestest thing ever. For the promise of the new Super Smash Brothers and the Zelda game, yes. Will not find a better story presented in any other game genre, in my personal opinion. Like JRPG have that. They have that story. That's what the entire game felt like. Oh my god, I want to bang my head into a wall. It's a podcast. Can someone remind me? I thought it was a video game podcast. You're listening to the Game Source Podcast. Hello and welcome once again. This is Gerald Glassford. Welcome to the show. It's Game Source Podcast number 152. I'm Gerald from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. Want to let you know out there that the Game Source podcast is now available on Google Play, Podcast.com, and iTunes. And of course, it's sister podcast, uh, which we just got recently the the rankings in for. We truly, truly appreciate Podcast uh, Radio Network for allowing us to be a part of it because the rankings just came in and we're in the top 15 already in our first month. I uh, want to thank you, the listeners out there. We truly appreciate it. Um, the Pop Culture Cosmos Show can be listened to every Monday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. If you miss it there, and shame on you if you do, but it's okay. You can still listen to it on our RSS feed on the Tangent Bound Network. want to uh, welcome them as far as to the, our, one of our affiliates now. want to appreciate them for give them uh, some love as far as allowing us to be on their station. And then also as well, Stitcher, we just added. So thankful to them as well. Google Play, iTunes, podcast.com, and also our home site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. So I want to talk today some eSports. eSports is uh, in the past, I'd want to say five years, eSports has really blossomed and grown to be something um, that's gone worldwide as far as the interest, as far as the name value, as far as something that a lot of people have wanted to latch on to. The person I'm going to talk to today is Christian Zamudio. He's here today with us, and he is, well, the man to talk to here in the Las Vegas area regarding esports. How are you today, Christian? Oh, doing really well. Excellent, actually. So being our esports resource, if I could say that correctly, <laughs> the esports resource, um, I wanted to ask you uh, a little, maybe a little bit of background on esports, and then also we'll delve into the esports of today and now and then going forward. Because um, esports is something that, like, like I said earlier, has come onto the scene. It's, it's yep. come on like gangbusters. 
And a lot of people maybe are not as familiar with it. Maybe they're a little bit intimidated by it. Tell us a little bit more about the evolution of esports. All right. So esports, basically, the name itself, it's, it's considered as electronic sports. Um, so what it is, it's professional video gaming. It's not like it's not like it's literally sitting on a, a couch and you know playing like ranked matches. It's more than that. Like there's actual competitions. There's like usually there's money on the line. Sponsorships, you know, entail with that. Um, it really has. And you're right, uh, Gerald. So like, it has blown up over the past five years. It's been on in like a steady like increase for like since I would say maybe like the like the early '90s and above. Like. Um, well, I mean, there was when I, when I was around, there was you know, I was, uh, really heavily into um, as far as multiplayers are concerned with Doom that came out, yeah. Doom Two. I mean, th- there were some competitive issues, things of that nature. And then I I know uh, Rob McCallum would always go back to you know the the, the blockbuster uh, uh, video um, world championships and whatnot. Yeah. I guess you could consider that the the infancy of esports. But, you know, with Halo 2, I think really became uh, a little bit more organized, a little bit more yeah. event-oriented as far as it's concerned. But what are your thoughts as far as how it evolved into what oh, yeah. it is today? All right, so a lot of people, like a lot of people, like professionally, like casters and uh, owners, like they consider they consider a few games that, a few games in a few areas that they really donned esports. Uh, one of which was Counter-Strike, like the original, you know, the original Counter-Strike is being one of those, like especially the European circuits. The second one is uh, the holy, you know, well, some people consider the holy grail or holy mecca of, of gaming to be South Korea and their StarCraft scene. That's, you know, that's been televised uh, for, for ages now. Well, I think that's where really it, it transformed itself out of, let's say, the, the small little TV yeah. TV studios and the small little... Uh, performances that that uh, esports was even during the early 2000s. That's right. Uh, you know the first words of of South Korean um, you know arenas filling up with ten fifteen thousand people all mesmerized by this and how esports. You know you hear stories about how esports athletes in that country were being treated like like kings and like royalty. Exactly. Um, that that's where to me it really started to take off as well. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. You had people like Boxer and then uh, uh, Marine King. Like they're really, they're really good at StarCraft. They were treated like uh, celebrities. I believe there was, I forget who it was, but yeah, there was even one person who ran like uh, for like I believe it was for their own Congress there, uh, just based off of his fame and notoriety alone. So I mean, similar to what you know Manny Pacquiao's done with with the Philippines and whatnot. Exactly. But it's it's been crazy how that developed there and how it's uh, progressed worldwide. Um, in some areas, though, there there's still you know a lot of room to to develop. Um, but you right. see some promise with the industry as whole. How has Twitch and YouTube um, basically maybe uh, outside of you know what South Korea did? How has that ignited as far as maybe a more expansive and worldwide front for esports? Well. I, I'm going to separate this into like two different segments. I'm going to actually start with YouTube because that's that's where you you've you've seen a, a few of the console esports games kind of transpire and become a little bit more popular. So I'll start with that. With YouTube, the popularity really started with Call of Duty. 
uh, not just started, it expanded with Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, Call of Duty 4 Pro Mod on PC. Like those those particular like that those particular two sets of games really exploded the scene with, with uh, especially with personalities that have come out in, in that console scene, such as Nate Shot, all of Optic Gaming, um, like some organizations like NVS uh, kind of got got big because of that scene. So it was viewer count. This is I want to say right before the monetization phase even started. So it just really just began with you know up people uploading sick plays of of like you know throwing uh, throwing knives across the map and like landing hits, and then it just escalated and escalated until the point that uh, you know that a lot of these uh, teams that are that are currently in the scene you know. They they now have that money in order to support you know pro teams and to build their brand, so so there's that part with YouTube. Um, on the other end with Twitch, <clears throat> it started off as Justin TV, so they were like a variety. It was like a variety you know streaming service, but then Twitch just you know garnered on the gaming aspect specifically. There were so many people gaming socially. Uh, I believe Snoop Dogg at, at its infancy, like he you know. He started streaming there. Nowadays, you have all sorts of different leagues, you know, streaming and showcasing such talent nowadays for League of Legends, you know, Call of Duty, CSGO, I mean, among other games. You also have, like, a lot of personalities and streamers who, who really carry forward um, that sort of outgoing, that entertainment value that kind of help out as far as, you know, keeping the numbers up. There is a little bit of correlation between the two with, you know, certain streamers and certain pro players uh, providing content. But, like, yeah, as far as as far as far gaming goes, Twitch is just, like, if you want to see a live tournament, go down, like, you know, this weekend. Here's the link. Boom. You have instant access. One thing I do want to ask you yeah. um, as far as the investment part. You're talking about a lot of, you know, there's now a lot of money, a great deal of money. Uh, the international, I think, is probably the most prominent one where they throw around a, a ton of cash. Yeah, um, and it's all crowdfunded. I, I see. That's well. That's that's what I want to talk about as far as the major corporations, the major businesses, the major movie stars, athletes, and even athletic teams like uh, two NBA teams in the past uh, two weeks have actually invested uh, yep. and purchased esports teams. Tell me as far as how that really got involved, how that got started, and and why are so many different outside forces that would normally not pay attention? You and I both know would normally never not yeah. pay a second of esports now or all gaga over esports. Yeah. So, like in other words, yeah. So in other words, like why would you, you know Shaq in, invest in you know why would the Philadelphia 76ers buy buy into a team? team why would the Golden State Warriors? Yeah. So so tell me about why. What's what is their interest to gain and why is everybody jumping on the esports bandwagon all of a sudden all right so esports um as i don't know if everyone knows this but you know it's a really big industry it's actually what is it now like a billion dollar industry now that's yes so that's exactly that's one thing that uh that that's mainly contributing to it is that there's such a untapped market out there for the ages of 18 through 32 that you know you could like the investors you know are now seeing like, oh my gosh, now I can, you know, tap into this audience, provide product. And know, I think one of the reasons why you just said it was 18 to 32. Yes. 
because it's very hard normally to to cater to that market. But now you're seeing companies and you know actual like investors uh, go into that. So, for example, there is. Um, I want to just kind of go off tangent real quick. Of course, there's also there's Bud Light. You know, they have their all stars. Uh, there's yeah, among others, it's uh, F- Filipino champ from the fighting game scene, Ninja from Halo, and then uh, Amaz. So, among others. But it's a huge investment by these corporations. It is. Um, and what are they looking? You know, they're looking to get out of so that that people will follow their 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 esports stars, and then uh, just like traditional athletes, that they'll, they'll yes. go ahead and and support you know whatever sponsors that they have. Uh, sort of like it reminds me a little bit of when NASCAR, uh, which got out of the 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 realm of the southern aspect, when people just thought it was just this this based out of, you know, so the Southern area of the country and that's all it was. And it was just, it was at this level. Then it blew up in the late nineties, early two thousands and became uh, something as far as, you know, ex- really just something that TV latched onto. And along with that, the corporate uh, world took notice and, and something that was sponsored before by a lot of companies really just took even more. So from there, is that something similar to what's happened here with esports? It, it is somewhat like you can kind of you can kind of uh, compare like even athletes to certain NASCAR drivers. So like you know Jeff Gordon you know, during his rookie year, you'd be compared to someone of let's say you know I wouldn't say Faker from League of Legends, but he's like Bjergsen, so from Team Solo Mid. You know he's that kind of caliber among the best. Um, you know, just comparisons as far as like drivers go. Yes, and and then also UFC. I know that one has been thrown yeah. out on more than one occasion, where the comparisons Definitely. to UFC, as far as a, a huge rise in a short period of time between uh, esports and UFC, a lot of people see parallels there. I also see, uh, for instance, like uh, when poker blew up in the earlier part Definitely. of the century as as well, due to ESPN just just following in love with it, um, and then everybody uh, on the tour seem to go corporate crazy with whatever uh, poker website they could attach themselves onto. Yeah. So it's funny how that works. Uh, but speaking of ESPN, I did want to bring up as far as the, the North American aspect of it. Right. And uh, while not d- dissing any part of the European or, or Asian market as far as it's concerned, um, there's been, I don't want to say it's a mixed reaction, but I don't want, uh, but I do want to say it's, it's maybe a reaction that's not yet reached at a level where, where we can call esports uh, comfortably something that that's a household name. Um, right. I know, um, that arena still out sells out. Uh, I believe the Barclays center just sold out for a, for a tournament there for a weekend. Uh, we know the international, I believe it's at the key arena. They sell out, um, right. Here in Vegas, T-Mobile Arena, uh, that that's no problem. Staples Center, no problem. House shows, and I hate to use, and I did use the pro wrestling vernacular, but the house yeah. shows seem to have no problem getting fans. But when it comes to video, as far as it's concerned, outside of the Twitch and YouTube realm, there seems to be kind of a mixed bag as far as effectiveness overall, even though there's so many new entities wanting to jump into the TV scene. Want to mention the TBS that, that dipped their toe in the water? Of course, ESPN has yeah. as well. Tell me about your thoughts on how well they've done with it. Have they presented the the esports in a fair and, and accurate uh, way? And 
And what do you see for the future as far as esports on on you know entertainment networks here in North America? Okay, so I'm gonna focus on uh, fighting games mainly on this portion because that's where I actually have like all these uh, all these statistics like ready to go with with that portion. So I want to actually talk about the Evolution Championship Series, otherwise known as Evo. So this year they you know they have the, they have their broadcasts uh, on ESPN two uh, of all channels, which is like really good. They had about half a million or not half yeah yeah about half a million concurrent viewers. The broadcast of, of Evo this year for Street Fighter Five. That was the mind you. This was the only game that was streamed. Uh, so Mandalay, it was uh, hosted at Mandalay Bay Event Center. That got sold out. Uh, <clears throat> I was actually in attendance watching the whole thing, so I was really excited to just see all those matches for different games. More importantly, though, how the, how well it was handled is the fact that you know, as far as broadcasting, ESPN let. E- like all of the Evo production crew handle their own stream. I feel that, you know, as far as grassroots events go, that is like the most perfect thing you can do in order to facilitate, um, you know, like esports and, and games such as that. Just keeping the format um, as as fluid as possible and almost the same as possible as, uh, you know, what's on Twitch or on YouTube. So that's one thing that, that, that went great. Uh there are a few like you know op- areas of opportunity. So, for example, maybe it's just the marketing portion. Not a lot of people know how to market certain games the correct manner. And not to mention, there's also a stigma, in, especially in North America, that you know games are are just you know they're just games. They're not they're very like casual in that sort of way. And I feel that is still something that you know until we see you know esports games still frolic twenty years from now that. It's uh, it's gonna take some time to really develop uh, you know, the whole like, the whole competitive gaming and professional gaming as a whole. Because I I know when TBS promoted yeah. TBS, I, I'm to to be fair, yeah, they did present a lot of commercials. They did promote it, um, but with I, yep, yes, but I saw that their overall results rating wise was maybe like a, like I said before a mixed bag. Right. Um, uh, as far as for them committing long term to esports, so I don't know. That's kind of up in the air how they want to deal with it. Um, but I, I just, you know, as far as trying to relate it to the average consumer uh, and not just the the hardcore fan, um, do you think there's some things that can be done, can be adapted to make it more acceptable and more approachable to the average fan? Because I. I first think it, it it will take some iconic announcer that can relate uh, the action going on in maybe a fashion that's more comfortable. I don't want to say because sometimes I, I when I watch esports uh, and I see that I can see that that there are people that are they're kind of getting blown away because just the the quickness and 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 speed that that's mm-hmm. communicated by the, the some of the announcers that are currently a major part of the scene, right? I think maybe if they can get a latch onto maybe an announcer that's that can translate the stories and translate the drama that's going on, maybe in a more uh, prophetic fashion uh, to an audience, to a larger audience, that will get a, even a larger audience, casual audience, to approach it uh, more respectfully. It, your thoughts on that, or or you know, someone who's who's very familiar with the scene even more than I am, uh, is that something that 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 you may want to see changed or 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 how would you approach it to better build it towards a casual audience? All right, so 
I'm gonna answer this in two parts. Like, first thing is like, uh, as far as far as like certain casters that are actually doing a really great job, you know, there's one there's one caster in particular that specific to League of Legends. Uh, his name is Monte Cristo. He's uh, he's owned an esports team. Uh, you know, Renegades. He had that whole scandal. But regardless of him as a team owner, as a caster, he's excellent. Like he provides decent enough analysis, and he's able to kind of to kind of simplify it in a way that that's not, you know, it's easy to consume and he articulates the, the manner that, that he presents is, you know, presents all sorts of critiques and, and uh, play by plays. Like we need more people like that. That's that are able to simplify what's going on are able to inform the audience that may, might be new to, you know, to said games. And then from there, you know, you can have someone who could go like a lot more in depth, who's a lot, you know, faster at at, uh, at speaking you know these play by plays because there's a there was like i suppose there is still a problem in dota where a lot of the announcers they go the joke is like they go full rap god mode and and they start like just literally just i i don't understand like sometimes like sometimes it is like really too fast to comprehend oh that's but, uh, that's what exactly what i'm talking yeah. about and anybody who's a casual member casual audience member that's just yeah. flipping the channels I can see them just getting in their mind blown, you know, yeah. within the first five minutes and saying, what is this on my TV? And I can't, I don't get it. And instead of maybe getting someone that's approachable, I mean, again, I'll use a wrestling announcer because you used, you know, use an answer that, that was, was uh, Monte Cristo that's able to simplify it. I mean, if there is ever, uh, if he's the probably closest thing to Jim Ross in professional wrestling, yeah. that can translate the action, but still communicate the stories and the individual's, that are creating these stories that maybe, you know, esports can go into an even higher realm than it has before. And that's correct. Like there's there's another set of casters too that are able to to do um to do the games justice and and you know what? And that's within the fighting game community too. There's such a variety of casters. Some of them, you know, they like that play by plays. Others, like especially in this scene, they like to, you know, to actually go with like really uh, interesting color commentary that's relatable to, to everyone else. I don't know if you watch, like if you watched a few games of of Marvel versus Capcom three, that you know that particular scene, like it's these moments get so hype and like I feel myself getting into it every time I watch any any major. So that's that's one thing. Like I feel certain communities are getting right, others aren't. But like the gist of it is. In order to in order to actually you know get there, we do need like more you know more Jim Rosses that are able to translate um, and simplify these things more. But yeah, like that's pretty much it on that. And because because he you know he has a gift or he has a gift. I mean, he's still announcing today in some form yeah. of fashion. But you know that he's able to translate the story to a broad audience, but still is able to go ahead and connect. And do enough to connect to that hardcore audience so that the hardcore audience will not feel slighted in any way. Exactly. And I know with the corporate pressure from all these these companies and corporations that own either, you know, invitationals, leagues, or teams, that eventually they will want to broaden out the audience out even more, which you know, may alienate some within the esports community or fan community, because that always seems to happen as you as you grow bigger. You, you have a tendency to stray away from what some people, you know, hardcore individuals like best. So I think there's always that, there's that fear from what I'm seeing and reading online uh, in regards to the esports community as it grows. They want the community to grow. They want the sport to grow. They want the, the whole, you know, genre to grow. 
but they're worried about exactly what what effects may come of it. Your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts? <laughs> I actually have like a lot to talk about it in regards to this discussion. Um, I'm actually going to talk about like the fighting game community again in, in this regard because there was a problem a few years ago where you know there was you know as esports is, was growing, there was this problem of you know the Capcom Pro Tour is is catered to mainly you know Street Fighter, and then you have a lot of grassroots event events on the other side that hold their own tournaments, you know linear to to set events. Uh, currently, some Capcom Pro Tour events are are actually hosted at at the certain venues like that. The thing uh, the thing that that you know that started happening is though. Uh, a few years ago, when MLG tried to kind of, you know, tip their toes into the scene, there were a few events that were hosted during the same weekend as certain grassroots events. That problem, I want to say, like, it didn't really tear the community apart, but it really showed where a lot of the values uh, of the hardcore players relied on. Like, as you, as you probably already know, MLG, you know, didn't really host any more fighting game tournaments after, I want to say, like, 2012 or 2013. Something like that. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. Like there were tournaments for like you know Tekken uh, Tag Tournament two and uh, and King of Fighters that were only like maybe eight to sixteen players, and they're all like really good players. So yeah, that that sort of problem is is really like something that the community has to figure out. You know, there there can I you know there needs to be sort of like balance between the two events. Um, one thing there are a lot of like people that might actually. Uh, that might actually get flack on re- regards to uh, regards to the you know Capcom and, and their Pro Tour, but I feel like that's the one thing that, that kind of got correctly uh, or correct rather mm-hmm. in that subject. Um, let's see. I know there's a little bit more to this uh, that I want to talk about too. Uh, one of one of these things is like developer support, right? Exactly what with what I'm referring to with Capcom. You know, Microsoft uh, with Killer Instinct. It's like one of the games that I'm actually playing professional, like trying to play professionally right now. Is uh, you know they've been providing for their you know for that scene for a few years already. As the game kind of grows and finishes, the game has finished. It's almost finished its third season, and there's this big uh, ki- you know Killer Instinct World Cup that's coming up in in uh, March 2017. I feel you know that's one side where a company or a developer. And you know, and its parent company can actually like coexist with its grassroots uh, side in order to you know provide support. I feel that's that's actually like one of those successes. As far as failures go, I mean, you can see like you kind of you can kind of see like where Capcom kind of made their missteps. Uh, you can kind of see where MLG kind of you know decided not to <clears throat> not to host you know tournaments uh, for fighting games anymore. Kind of to see that comparison, but yeah, because MLG, like I said, at once really, as you said, and as you indicated, really tried to make a footprint uh, within the esports community. Um, but uh, basically, you know, a lot of factors stemming internally with them, from what I was yep. reading and investigating, and then also externally, how they appeared to the esports community uh, really was their own undoing. And that's something I want to touch on. A um, couple more, more quick questions. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, as far as some of the bad points so far that have happened to esports, but, you know, when you have a growing and, you know, burgeoning, uh, genre, just, just as the esports, uh, phenomenon come on, 
you really want to try and make sure that you, you have as minimal points as possible for bad news and bad press and bad PR. Exactly. But already there's been issues of scandal, points of contention, and uh, problems relating to teams, leagues, as we mentioned earlier, uh, organizations, and also players uh, doing things in order that maybe not be uh, on the up and up in order to try and get a leg ahead, which is, you know, competition, unfortunately, in today's 2016 and in all realms of sports. Right. So uh, mentioning some of that, and I know you're probably going to get into that, Exactly. What what are some of those uh, factors, and how could do you see them possibly, if they get any worse, being something that could prevent esports from growing naturally? All right. So with yeah, with those said problems, I mean one one thing I can tell you right away is like you know the use of you know um, using programs to kind of alter your performance. Ritalin has um, been talked about. You know, yeah. So like doping, yeah, with Ritalin or using, you know, like actual, you know, actual programs to, to, to cheat, you know, as that's been a, a problem in CS:GO for some time. Uh, with that, I know there's a few, uh, there's a few leagues that have, um, that have actually done their part to start doing random drug testing. I believe it. I'm trying to remember if it was. Oh yeah, so it was like. I, you know, I had one of the IEMs, one of the League of Legends players got tested. You know, he came out clean. Uh, you know, he came out fine. But there is, yeah, so there's there's those sorts of things that are helping to uh, to grow, um, you know, esports naturally. But as far as what needs to be done, um, you know, I might be wrong in saying this, but there might be, there might need to be like a, an actual, you know, an actual like assembly of, or, or some sort of Some you know, uni- someone uni- to check to do checks and balances with players, unionization or league uh, that's that uh, now body that's going to be able to actually uh, take care of all that. Correct? Yes, exactly. Uh, you see that in, in all sports. There's yes. You know, yeah, no, absolutely. You're correct, 100%, and I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. And I think if it wants to go where it wants to go, it's going to have to do that because, if, you know, I know eSports has even was talked about around the time of Olympics as saying, you know, eSports right. trying to maybe be a possibility down the road, which, you know, some may scoff at, some may laugh at, but some were really behind it. So, yeah. you know, over the, you know, possibility of maybe 10, 20, 30 years from now, eSports become a regular part of that that scene. It obviously has no choice but to make sure all the players are on the up and up. Exactly. So you are eSports resource. And, That's right. <laughs> uh, and uh, this is eSports 101. So for any casual member out there of the audience that, that wants to, is thinking about it, that wants to get into it, what advice do you have for them? What maybe players, teams, or, or actual games should they follow that might help better acclimate them into the world of eSports? All right. <clears throat> so with, with getting into eSports or any competitive gaming, First off, choose you know choose like a, a popular game that that you enjoy, you know don't don't make this into like a job or, or anything that you're gonna you know you're gonna hate. You have to like you know you have to like said game in order to actually progress in it. For myself, I have um, I've actually like dipped my toes into many different games from like first person shooters to to mobas and, and fighting games. Like um, <clears throat> as someone who's who's been who's been you know at that point where you know almost pro it's it's really like you really just have to one just work you know work for it and keep dedicated 
Uh, two, you know, come with realistic expectations. You don't want to, you know, just quit your job and and grind twenty four seven and think you'll make it that way. It's it's a learning curve. Like depending on which game it is, whether it's either Overwatch, Street Fighter, you know, Killer Instinct, League of Legends, or CS:GO. Like those games are, are the ones that are, yeah. And we've all talked about some of the newer games as well. Yeah. We talked beforehand about Gears of War 4 is yeah. making sure that they they put in something for esports. You know, exactly. Titanfall 2, the new Call of Duties. Mm-hmm. Um, they've all they've all done that. And that and is that a good thing for the for the for esports with so many entities now suddenly gaining an interest as far as into esports? It's a good thing, but it could also be a bad thing. Um, <clears throat> you don't want to flood the market. You've seen this uh, with with certain like with certain companies, Blizzard in particular, that kind of like they have you know an esports title for almost everything: Hearthstone, uh, Heroes of the Storm, and then you also have what you have World of Warcraft, and then and now you have yeah Overwatch. It's just you want to make sure if you're a developer or even as an individual that you choose a game that's right for you, and also like in the, in the developer standpoint. If you flood the market too much, you know, that'll just either one of two things will happen. Either it'll, you know, the certain games that are popular will stay popular, but that's the thing. Like, you're kind of, I feel that maybe it'll divide the fan bases a little bit too much, or it'll just kind of crumble in on itself. One of the things that that amuses me, and before we go, is uh, that one of the top teams right now, and actually the top rated on ESPN, is uh, Samsung Galaxy, which, as you know, needs all the help it can get right now. Definitely. (laughs) With with BR. (laughs) Exactly. Um, (laughs) I hope that's not their intro, that they have exploding phones as they come into the arena. But... but, so people can get maybe attached to personalities because obviously this sport, esports yeah. will succeed, like I said, based off of its presence by its personalities because people will be able to connect to to them because yeah. um, that ultimately seemed, you know, how NASCAR and UFC be able to, and poker for that matter, matter, matter you know, was able to prosper. Who are some of the individuals or teams that people should follow um, as far as it's concerned so they can get a better idea what esports is all about all right so if you want to if you want to actually look into into teams and organizations uh team solo mid is, is you know they're they were primarily a uh league of legends organization but they've branched out into many different games if you want to know their personalities you know that's one organization that that you know that you might want to look for you have players like bjergsen who are like you know they're really good mechanically and then and then there's also Zero from uh, from Smash Brothers, like from Smash Four. Leffen, like those are those are personalities you know that you might want to follow if you like those games and you want to get a taste of what each different scene is like. There's also Evil Geniuses. You have K. Brad, uh, Justin Wong, you know from the fighting game scene as well. Like they they give you kind of like an opportunity to see what personalities you know fully fleshed out can do. Like as far as boosting numbers um if you want to see more skill you know there's you know team solo mid uh, you know some of the players from team energy are actually like you, they're actually pretty good if if you want to look at uh, if you look at them of course that is you know shacks or um invested in that so there's, yeah there's that and then there's one more i wanted to mention um i mean the optic gaming there's they're kind of like a, a grassroots 
uh, grown in from Call of Duty. Now they expanded to Halo and uh, CS:GO. If you want to see, you know, what it's like to be an FPS player, that's another you know organization to follow. Last one would be, uh, you know, SK Telecom T1, primarily from League of Legends. If you want to see, you know, Faker himself, that's that's. They were mentioned in the top three. They're they're rated in the top three by ESPN. So yes, that's actually a great team to follow. One last question before I let you go. Sure. (laughs) What are your hopes for esports, and where do you think it will go? My hopes for esports. Oh man, that's hard. (laughs) All right. So hopefully esports grows to be an, an accepted, you know, I wouldn't want to say like it's it's an actual like, I believe it, here, I'll, I'll say like this, and, and I'm kind of par- paraphrasing from Weldon, uh, who's who's the uh, head coach at, at uh, Team Solo Mid, you know, he he mentioned that as far as, uh, as far as gaming goes, it's more of a mental sport, whereas, you know, physical sports require mostly the physical tension and, and spacing in, in regards to plays with with gaming it, i feel like it is more of a mental sport the physical aspects you know are are in regards to your hands and pretty much your arms and and then just using your brain like i feel i feel that as long as there's everyone knows that that clarification then it can kind of move forward as an esport and as a player you know, um, I created a group called Las Vegas Ki. We have a few top players uh, in our scene that are really good, uh, myself included. I'm actually like, you know, decent. My hopes for personally is that, you know, by the time of next year, that I'm actually sponsored by, you know, a decent org, um, and that I'm able to like provide content and everything like that. So, I mean, here's hoping that it lasts like, you know, over a hundred years. It's just going to take time. <laughs> so where can they find you? As far right. as concerned, where can they find what you're looking for? And what you know, this is your chance to plug. So you tell me, where can they find what Christian Zamudio is up to? All right. So you can follow me on Twitter at Teradyne. Uh, that's where I'm going to be. You know, I post a lot of different things uh, there: personal life, uh, tournaments, and all of that. So there. So you can follow me there at Twitter on uh, YouTube. Uh, you can follow me at, at Zamurai Chris, Twitch.tv. I stream from time to time at Zamurai Chris, um, <clears throat> and then I'm also on uh, Mario Party Wars as one of their uh, admins. So you can find me there on Facebook. Lastly, um, also on on Facebook and Instagram, you can find me. You know, on, um, if you go to Zamurai Chris, you can actually find me there and follow my groups. Uh, Las Vegas Gundam Club and Las Vegas KI. There you go. <laughs> Quite a list indeed. Although uh, I, my list is of of plugs usually gets no shorter than that my, as well, my friend. Yeah. Um, I appreciate Christian you taking the time to talk to us. Um, I'm hoping anytime you want to be back or anytime you have yeah. news that you feel you want to share on the show, both the Game Source podcast and also as well, you know, Pop Culture Cosmos. Uh, you're more than welcome to come back at any time you choose to do so. It's been a pleasure having you on, and hopefully yeah. everybody listening out there has got a better idea about the esports scene. Oh, yeah, not a problem. Glad I could be of you know assistance with that. <laughs> oh no, you're a great help indeed. You you clarified a lot of things uh, as far as the esports uh, genre and and where it wants to go next is all about. So so for Christian Zamudio. 
This is Gerald Glassford from Game Source and Pop Culture Cosmos. Hoping everyone out there has another beautiful day in paradise. And here's hoping you have yourself. Yes? Oh, I said, yep. I was going to tell everybody, have a good one. (laughs) Uh, There you go. And have yourself a great day.